The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. 1 Peter chapter number 4 and verse number 7. Let's stand together and read. Verse number 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto what? Prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Hmm. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one, the same gift to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Let him literally speak as, as it was the word of God. He's not adding into it. He's, he is speaking God's word. If any man stand up to speak, let him speak the word, is the idea. Verse number 11, if any man minister, let him do it as the of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Don't you like that? To him be praise and dominion forever and ever. He does have dominion. Let's praise him even now in prayer. Father, thank you for the fact that that is true, that you do have dominion in this day. And Lord, you've always had dominion, and we uh, give you praise for that. Lord, we want to submit to your rule in our lives. We want to submit to it this week, Lord, as we go about our week, and with our families, and with our co-workers, and with extended family. Lord, I pray that we would submit to your rule. Bless us now as we would discover and remind ourselves with your truth about this matter of ministering to one another, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us as a church, that we would be ministers unto you toward one another. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And let's be seated. Not everybody, not every Christian is a f- in full-time ministry. I think we understand that. Not everyone is called to full-time ministry. Uh, I believe that the Lord wants to call to full-time ministry, and I do believe that is a specific calling that God does call us to into the ministry specifically. And I think we even look at in the book of Acts, as we've been through that, look in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13, uh, God specifically singled out Paul and Barnabas for the ministry, for a work uh, that he had for them, and uh, caused the church to see that. So not every Christian's in full-time church ministry, but every Christian is called to full-time Christianity. And again, we, we look at this, this matter that many times in our lives we're tempted to look at uh, our lives as, as different compartments. And so this is my secular life, this is my work life, this is my, this is my church life. But the fact of the matter is our lives are all sacred, they're all towards the Lord. We're full-time Christians towards Him. We're full-time servants of the Lord no matter where you are. How do you serve God in the workplace? Being a light? What is light, how does light How's light seen in the workplace? The way that we live, the way that we speak, our attitude. We asked this question in class this morning, uh, what what is needed for our light, our testimony, our conversation to be seen out in the world this week? One person mentioned hope. How is hope seen? Well, in the way that we talk about what's going on around us. Boy, it should be very, very quick that we get to, but God's on the throne. But God's on the throne. God's in charge. He will hold people accountable. Uh, He has power over all things. He has power over sickness. He has power over all these things. And I'm trusting him. And so very, very quickly we realize that we must be full-time Christians. There's enough of part-time Christianity going on in our country. And that's much of the reason why our country is in the shape that it's in. Because we haven't been full-time in our Christianity. Living it out and standing up for our faith wherever we are. We are to be full-time Christians. And in that respect, God has gifted each one of us, each one of you, with a gift to be used to benefit, to bless the body of the Lord Jesus Christ to bless the church, to help the church to grow and to be edified and to be strengthened as Ephesians chapter 4 talks about. 
But Paul, um, Peter is talking about this matter, this matter of ministering with that gift that God has given us as full-time Christians. He's talking about it in a specific context that I think is important for us to grab a hold of and to understand. And it is this context. It was a context of persecution. A context of very, very difficult days. In fact, in this, in this passage of Scripture, we find, he says, but the end of all things is at hand. Do you realize as Peter was writing this, he was actually thinking he was actually conveying under inspiration of the Holy Spirit the imminency of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. They thought it would happen in that day. They thought that Jesus Christ was coming. They thought that Nero on the throne was the end of all things. They, they, they thought that. It's very interesting to me to think that in every generation, the believers have, have sensed that the coming of Jesus Christ is just around the corner. It can't get any worse than this. It's just around the corner. Now, I don't mean that to, to, uh, to cause us to be lackadaisical because I believe that God designed it so that we would be motivated by the imminency of his return. But the fact is, uh, our Lord wants us to remember that in this generation, he is coming. I don't know when. He is coming. The end of all things is at hand. So what do we need to do? We need to watch, therefore, and be sober unto prayer. It needs to drive us to prayer. I'm telling you what, this, in this day, it seems that God has driven his church to prayer. And I, uh, even this morning's gathering, I, I, I called up one of her ladies and said, God answered your prayer this morning. God answered your prayer this morning. Uh, the, 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 the prayer that needs to be going on in our lives, and I believe the, the call to prayer that the Holy Spirit is placing in our hearts, we need to get to prayer. Why? Because prayer is a declaration of dependence upon God and how we need um, prayer. And so he says, the end of all things is at hand. This is trouble sometimes. And that point in church history, uh, 63 to 64 AD, uh, it was during the time of Nero's reign. If, if you remember uh, anything about Nero, he was a, he was a crook. Uh, he was a jerk. Uh, he was not a nice guy. Uh, he, was, he had it out for the people of God. He said uh, evil things. He said things that contradicted the word of God. He said them publicly. And, and you know that it was a difficult thing to live under his, under his reign, yet the church continued to move forward. And I want you to think about this. Under him, at somehow, we don't know exactly how, but somehow a great fire started in Rome. You've probably heard of that before, but burned three-quarters of the city of Rome. And so this nice gentleman uh, decided to blame it on the Christians. Isn't that amazing? And uh, just realize that, that human governments are not above doing that in this day to find something to depend on Christians to, to, uh, to set them out of the way. So understand, so the, the, the city is burning, and he blames it on them as the scapegoat for this fire. He does nothing. He does nothing to stop the fire. He allows it to go on, and, and yet uses it to blame the Christians. One historian of that day said it this way, Therefore, first those were seized who admitted their faith, and then, using the information they provided... A vast multitude, and we're talking about believers, were convicted, not so much for the crime of burning the city, but for hatred of the human race. And perishing, they additionally were made into sport. They were killed by dogs, by having uh, the hinds of dogs, the, the skin of dogs attached to them. And as well, they were nailed. They were nailed to crosses or set aflame. And when the daylight passed... It said that they were used as nighttime lamps to light Nero's garden. You're talking about a, a, an intense time of persecution, and so it's no wonder that Peter, some 15 times in this short letter, mentions the fiery trial which would try their souls. The fiery trial which would try their souls. Now, I know for us, as, as Americans, I, I feel like we we have a hard time wrapping our, our brains around suffering for our faith and having to stand up for our faith and having to be uh, against the, the, the culture with our faith. But these people understood that. And Peter says to them, I don't want you to think it's strange. Don't think it weird that you as followers of Jesus Christ would be in contradiction with the world. Don't think that weird. 
He says in 1 Peter 4 and verse 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. And so Peter's writing in that context and the, on the, the call in that context is not to, to hunker down. It's not to find a, a place to hide out and, 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 and you know, just try to fly under the radar. Uh, it was the idea, hey, let's be very vigilant to minister to one another. Let's do the work of the church. Let's continue on. Let's be bold in our ministry toward one another. And listen, that is what is needed in this day and in this hour. Uh, many churches, I, I was talking to a guest this morning, he says, my church has been closed three months. Three months. Now, if, if, if the church is the place that is the pillar and the ground of truth in a society, what has Satan won, or what, what little battles has Satan won by closing down the church in this day? By silencing those who are upholding the, on the pillar and the ground of truth. Guys, could you turn me down a little bit? It's amazing to me that, that is, that's what's going on, but that is, and you... Every Sunday, it seems, that we have people that are walking into these doors just looking for a church that is open. And we don't stay open to spite anyone. We stay open because we were told to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. This is what Jesus told us to do. And is it sometimes in contradiction with the world around us? Absolutely it is. And will that bring on some uh, opposition? Yes, it probably will. But the fact of the matter is, in this day, rather than getting all focused on the opposition that is coming toward us, God says, hey, why don't you make sure that you focus on ministering on one, unto one another and caring for one another and staying engaged in my mission. And so he says here in verse number eight, minister in love. Minister in love, look at verse number eight. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Let's read that together. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. You know, ministry does not start with what we do. Ministry starts with who we are on the inside. You can't just have a position of ministry and expect that to, that to be, uh, make you a minister or cause you to be effective. Ministry starts in the heart. Ministry here starts with a, a loving heart, a a passionate heart full of love. He says, above all things. Now, let's stop and think about that for a moment. He said, above all things. So, more than having a position, or more than being at a certain place in our lives, or more than having some, some thing in our lives, more than having our trial to cease, he says, I want you above all things. I want this to be the priority. I want you to have fervent charity among yourselves. That's where we started this week, uh, this year. The pathway to a healthy New Testament Christian community is through loving one another. And here again, Peter brings it up. Have fervent charity. Have fervent sacrificial love toward one another among yourselves. This is the first thing that you need to focus on. The word fervent is the idea to stretch out, to, to, to long after, to, to go after it. Uh, I, am, I don't hit up the gym. I know some of you probably do um, and enjoy that. Um, just never got in the habit of it, but when you get in a gym atmosphere, there is the idea of, of setting goals, right, Mr. Caleb? Setting goals and, and pursuing after them. I guess that's what, um, that's what it is. <laughs> we're going uh, to work through this pain until, until I get my goal, right? And we're just going to keep on working toward it until we get the goal. That's the idea. It's, it's stretching out towards, I want this goal more than anything. I'll even endure some pain in order to get there. Um, an athlete. Uh, seeks to set a goal, a, a runner seeks to set a goal, and they stretch out after that. They work toward it. They, they time themselves, and they keep on working at, at it and keep on trying to top their last, uh, their last time and keep on working at it. They stretch forward toward it, and Paul says, or Peter says to these believers, I want you to have that same idea, that same attitude when it comes to loving and showing fervent charity among yourselves. I want you to stretch out after it. Friends, it takes work. It's not always easy to love. 
It's inconvenient. It most of the time is inconvenient, and it also goes against everything inside of us. We are naturally self-centered, are we not? Even sometimes our gathering together is self-centered. You say, how so? Sometimes we do it just for us. You know how many times believers will gather only because what they will get out of the gathering? You know how many times that people look for, for church only for what the church can give to them? Not thinking of how they can minister and bless the church. I, I, think, I think that God says he gifts the church with, with spiritual gifts. Do you know that, that God has given each one of us a gift for the church? Yes, the church will be a gift to us. The church body will be a gift to us. But he's given us a gift for the church. It's, it's us toward the church, us toward the body. And so he wants us to be not self-centered, not look at it for what we can gain out of it. We will gain, we will get blessing, but for what we can give. Fervent charity, sacrifice, reaching out in that way. But notice he says, among yourselves. This love is to spread among. It's a filter out among. It's to have ripple effects among us. And so as we gather together, uh, we come here uh, really not to hear, uh, you know, hear uh, complaining or to hear, uh, hear about uh, you know, the, the bad things of, that's going on in life, but we do come here to, to enjoy the loving atmosphere together. You know, I uh, asked again in Sunday school class this morning and enjoyed our time this, this morning but about how people can tell there's a difference in us. One of the gentlemen mentioned that you know, on, on job sites, and I, I can attest to this uh, from working construction, you, you complain all day long. Right? Isn't that the truth? All day long. You know, what can we complain about? And you can go on for hours just complaining and complaining and complaining. Complaining about one another, complaining. You know what? That's not to be the, the feel of a church gathering. Instantly, when we walk in here as, and we assemble together, and when those that are new gather in here, they should sense a spirit of love, of passionate love. We love one another. We're not here to, to complain about each other. We're not here to complain about everything else that's going on in the world. We are here to love one another another and we have to be careful about that as we see and, and I, i'm talking a little bit about this because um well it's where we live right but as we see our nation changing so very much it's really easy i how how many of you are, are right there it's really easy just to get in complaint mode about that it is uh it's easy to get in worry mode about that but above all that i'm not saying neglect being proactive and being involved i'm not saying uh just you know I'm not encouraging pacifism in any way, but I am encouraging us to, to, to prioritize. He said, above all things, love. And let this filter out among yourselves. How would that change our interactions? How will that change our attitude towards one another? How will that change how we serve one another, having this, this passionate love towards one another? But notice in verse number eight, he says, uh, it needs to be a positive love as well, for charity covereth a multitude of sins. Charity covereth a multitude of sins. It's to cover, it's to hide, it's to hinder from coming, uh, from the knowledge of something coming to the, to, the, to the surface. And may I quickly say this, it is not where we know something wrong has been committed and we, we turn our backs on it. And we ignore it or we sweep it under the rug. I was in our kitchen the other day, and, uh, and I, it was morning. My, my littlest had just gotten up, and she carries around this, this uh, bunny. And uh, we, have to, we have to confiscate it once in a while to clean it in the washer because it gets disgusting. And um, if you've seen her walk around with that thing, I mean, it's not because we never wash it. We do wash it. Just, it just, yeah. And it's her security thing. Well, anyway, she... I, uh, she wanted something. She, uh, we have this little uh, countertop where tea, it, um, that we make our tea and so forth, and she has learned that her siblings leave tea up there, and she can get up there with a spoon and just spoon the cold tea into her mouth. And it makes a huge sticky mess, but it's, it's something else. So she puts a stool there. Well, before she went over to do this, I kid you not, she just, with the utmost grace, walks over to the, the mat in front of the, uh, the refrigerator, lifts it up, puts her bunny underneath, and puts it back down, and goes, stands up, and gets, uh, <laughs> gets her tea. And I was like, what's this? 
<laughs> What's going on there? But she, she wanted that thing hidden under there. It, it was the funniest thing. But you know, sometimes we can do that with wrong things. We can put it under the, under the rug. And, and that's not what God's saying here. But what God is saying to you and to me is don't make mountains out of molehills. You know how many churches like ours can be ripped apart by making mountains out of molehills? You know that we don't know each other's intentions. How many have ever been ashamed to have thought in your mind something accusatory towards someone else, only to realize later they, or you found out their intention later, and you realize, oops, I was really wrong in my mind, in my thinking, I'm really glad I didn't say something. Have you ever been there? I have. Do you know what, do you know what God wants us to do here as believers that are, are seeking healthy New Testament Christian community? He wants us to learn to apply love into the situation and allow love to cover something that really doesn't need to come to light. Uh, it's not exploiting someone's weakness. You know we all have a weakness. We all have weaknesses. We all have flaws that from time to time are visible to one another. And God says, let's practice loving one another in such a positive way that you don't have to highlight their flaw. You don't have to point out their flaw. Uh, there is something about encouraging and admonishing one another and exhorting one another. There is James 5.16 where confess your faults, your, your issues to one another so that you can pray for one another and be healed. So there is a, a, a need for transparency. But if you know something about a, a brother or sister in Christ, the, the idea is I love them so much. I'm not going to embarrass them. I'm going to help them get victory in this, but I'm not going to embarrass them by letting other people know about it. I'm going to allow this to be covered. I know what they just did, and I know it wasn't very kind, and, and really it grates on my nerves, but I love them, and Jesus loves them, and I'm asking right now that Jesus would give me an extra measure of help to love them like he does, right? Resentment keeps careful books, doesn't it? Perfect, meticulous record of what has been done. Love lets it go. And God says how he deals with our sin, Psalm 103 and verse number 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Are you not thankful that God just takes our sin and he removes it out of sight? And it's covered under his great love. You can't even measure his love, and he's covered it, and we don't need to keep bringing it up. In fact, here's, a, here's, a, here's an example. If you know something about someone's um, past that's um, particularly embarrassing, you know, and, and they've confided in you, love is like, okay, it doesn't need to be shared with anyone else. Let it go. God let it go. Let it, let it go. And he says, let it be covered. Hatred stirreth, uh, stirreth up strife, but love covereth all sins, the Proverbs say. Covers all sins. So again, we're not talking about covering things that need to be dealt with. Can you think of an instance in Scripture where some sin was covered and looked over that needed to be dealt with within a church? Talk to me, if you would. Can you think of an instance in the New Testament? Okay, that, and that's what I was thinking. Corinthians, and Paul said, hey, this isn't, this isn't good. Uh, this is a situation where you should have dealt with this. And Paul had to deal with it with the Corinthian church to bring um, purity to that church. But there are many situations where, you know what? This is, a, this is just a growth issue. Uh, this person, I, I, can, I can love through this and help them to grow along through this. And love um, sometimes is very active getting in with them and, and helping them along, encouraging them and exhorting them along. But the fact is we don't have to exploit them. And so he says, don't make mountains out of molehills. Let love cover a multitude of sins. And so true, true ministry needs to start with ministering with love. Ministering with love out of fervent charity but we also ought to minister with hospitality. We just finished up a, a time in 3 John on Wednesday nights. Deals particularly with the man named Gaius, who was known in the New Testament world as being a hospitable individual. And what a wonderful testimony he gives 
uh, what a wonderful testimony was. Uh, John said, hey, the brethren, they, they come back and they give reports. If you want to, hey, if you're going up north, you want to stay with Gaius, he's a hospitable guy. I mean, he opens up his heart and his home to you, and what a wonderful thing. But, you know, Gaius, his, his outflow of his love was hospitality. How can I bless you? It's an attitude, uh, and hospitality is just that. It's an attitude that we ought to have. And so a great church is going to be marked by, and when I say church, not a facility or a program, but us, a great group of people, of believers, is going to be marked by hospitality, a heart of hospitality. Lord, help us to have that heart. Notice the tool of hospitality in verse number 9. He says, use hospitality. Use hospitality. Guys, how many of you understand that, that the right tool is very, very helpful? Yeah? Uh, how many of you have broken a tool because you were using it for the wrong thing? Yeah? How many of you have been a wonder bar? You know, trying to use it as some sort of levy. You know, you just bend that thing, just, just, just mutilate it, you know? It, 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 the right tool is very, very important. And when you use the wrong tool, it, 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 it causes problems, it causes damage, and, and so on. Do you know that God says, I want you to take your love and the tool with which I want you to express your love or share your love or work out your love is hospitality. Use your hospitality one to another without grudging. Use it just like a tool. So I want you to get a thing. I need a love within the church. All right, which tool do I need? Do I need a hammer? No, that, that breaks things apart. What do I need? And God says, I want you to use hospitality as a way of showing love to one another. Now, is that not really, I mean, just really clear? So he wants us to minister, and the next thing he tells us, use the tool of hospitality to minister. Hospitality is loving guests and strangers. In 3 John, it was demonstrated by Gaius as loving those that were the brethren and those that were strangers passing through. Um, we need to have a heart for those that are just passing through. One of the things that you ladies probably know more about and understand behind the scenes, you know, a lot of things happen. Uh, not everything do we talk about you know, in a service, but um, you know, ladies, as... as uh, you have seen over in this blessing closet that's getting rearranged and um, as you've had opportunity to help, uh, you know, every time a, a guest preacher comes through here, you know, a bag is created and sent with them, even if we don't, if they're not a part of a service, if they're just passing through, a bag is created for them with snacks and goodies and something to send them on their way. You know what that is? That's a spirit of hospitality. Many of you ladies, and I talked about this, uh, I think, last week, the ladies oftentimes give the, the mood of the church, the, the spirit of the church, that hospitable uh, touch. You know, every church needs a lady's touch. Do you believe that, ladies? I mean, sometimes you see uh, guys get in, there's just, it, I mean, it's, we just do it kind of robotically or whatever, but it, it, a church needs a lady's touch. But I thank you ladies for getting involved and you know, either bringing in donations for that or being a part of putting some of that together. You say, well, well, I didn't know about that. How can I be involved? See my wife afterwards. Let's be involved in that. But let's have that hospitable spirit. Um, the spirit of hospitality to welcome into, into your home or welcome out, uh, out to lunch. Ladies, I talked to you last week. Uh, week. You, you brought out Miss Sarah out to lunch and you bless, um, blessed her heart and you, you took interest in what God is doing in her life. And well, wasn't that a blessing to you as you used the tool of hospitality to show love to a person you really didn't know? Um, and I know if they were able to stay around a, a little bit today, some people would have been asking, hey, how, how can we take out, uh, take out the custers or take care of them? Uh, I get asked often, are they taken care of? Are they taken care of? You know, that type of thing. What a great thing. Let's keep that, hot, um, that heart of hospitality. Now, sometimes in this day, we can uh, become so reliant on all the things that we have around us that we lose the, the touch with hospitality. In that day, in the New Testament day, they didn't have hotels everywhere. I mean, if we were to Google right now how many uh, hotels are within 15 minutes of this place, uh, you'd never need to open up a, a, a room in your home, right? 
uh, how many restaurants are, oh, well, we don't need to bring them to our home. Uh, you know, there, there's so much at our disposal these days, but do remember that in this day, they were not blessed Americans. They, they did not have large homes, and, 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 and they did not have the hotel systems that we have and the, uh, the many restaurants that, uh, that, that we have. And they, they, if they had access to some of those things, they were poor, especially as uh, persecuted and oftentimes not being able to, uh, to get the money uh, through, um, because of boycotting and different things that were happening in, in that persecuted environment. Understand that... It, it was left on the shoulders of believers to care for one another with what they had. We're having hot dogs tonight. You know, we're having ramen tonight, right? And, uh, and ramen's good, by the way. Ramen's good. And uh, add, some, uh, add some pickle juice in there and add some pickles, and uh, that's what happened in dorm rooms in college, right? Um, but uh, w- with whatever we have, we love one another, and we show hospitality. Archaeologists have excavated homes in ancient Ephesus and they would find this particular carving chiseled in stone. Um, The early Christians would put this stone out in front of their home. It was a combination of Greek letters um, and it, it was an acrostic that stood for this, Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior, And in other words, they were just declaring with this stone out in front of their home, we believe Jesus Christ is God and he is our Savior. And it was a silent expression to those that, uh, those that saw it, those that came into the home, that in this home we're believers and we serve the, the living God. And this was a part of just uh, uh, making known who they were and even a part of them being able to open their home up for hospitality. It was important in that day. It was so important in that day that God, through uh, uh, inspiring Paul to write the book of Timothy and as well the book of Titus, he made it a requirement for pastors that they were to be hospitable. It says in 1 Timothy 3 and verse number 2, uh, a bishop must then be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, but given to hospitality. Titus 1.8, he is uh, be a lover of hospitality. A lover of hospitality. Let's uh, take a few moments and just consider this matter of hospitality. What are some of the best ways that you have um, discovered to be to show hospitality and and show that open heart towards people. Not just in having them in your home, but just ways of showing hospitality to people uh, that God brings through your life. Do you have any ideas on that? What are some some of the ways that you you have found to be the best way to show hospitality? Let's get uh, the the brain moving. And maybe you say, well, I haven't found this, but I think this would be a good way and I'm going to practice it in the next year. What do you think? Send a note. Open heart, taking time for people. Yes. Poetry, Poetry, writing something for someone. Very good. Amen. What What a true demonstration of hospitality. Amen. That is, isn't that a lost art? I don't know about you, but sometimes uh, your brain's going like this and you have to tell yourself to stop and and just listen, put aside. We don't do things, two things at once very well, do we? What else? So you see that it's more than a meal, right? But hospitality is, is taking, in essence, it's taking time uh, to care, to show love, an open heart, and an open home. But it starts with an open heart. An open heart. Uh, have you ever gone into an environment, uh, into a church environment, maybe traveling on a trip, and found it not to be an open environment? Not to have open hearts? Um, 
I think I was talking to you, Brother Justin, about the church that you found over at college and someone inviting you over. How, how does that make you feel? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? And uh, I, I found the same with some others that are in college churches right now. Um, Brother Justin's in a church that uh, a, a lot of the folks are much older than him, but they showed he cared, and that made an impact in his life. Isn't that awesome? And uh, you don't realize how much of an impact just having someone in your home or inviting them over uh, will make. And so uh, show hospitality by, by caring, an open heart uh, towards them. It is not limited to pastors, though, in the New Testament. Because Romans 12, verse number 13 says, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. So God wants you and I to be given to hospitality. So I challenge you and I encourage you, what in this, in this going forward, we say year, but just in the, the direction of your life, how can you improve, how can we improve in hospitality? And by the way, you say, well, I, I, don't, I don't find others to be hospita uh, hospitable. Uh, the best way to help the church grow in it is to be an example of it, right? Because sometimes the church lacks something, and we, we stand back and we're like, well, I don't know when this is going to start you know, growing around here. Let's lead out in it. If God touches your heart with that, maybe you would be the, the change agent in that, in that matter. So hospitality is a powerful tool to demonstrate Christ's love. But notice this, the test of hospitality, the test of hospitality is without grudging. Without grudging. Now, get the picture, uh, you're at someone's home, does it, does it make you feel a little bit out of sorts when they're grudging about it? You're at, uh, you're sitting down for lunch with them. And one of the things I, I learned early on, you sit down for lunch with, uh, with somebody, they're paying your meal at a, a restaurant, uh, you don't order the most expensive item on the, re on the, on the menu. That doesn't, uh, that doesn't encourage the spirit of hospitality, right? You, you, you'd be modest in that, in that way. I learned that early on um, as, a, as, a, as a young person. Um, but but uh, the idea of this hospitality is that it is to be showed without grudging. So you and I sitting down with somebody, our heart ought to be, you know what, whatever whatever you want. There's two sides of that. We ought, to, we ought to be caring and concerned on the one side receiving the hospitality, but on the other side, how can I, how can I bless you? And there's not a spirit, well, it's going to take me three weeks to pay this meal off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but the, I, the, wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be an awful thing? You'd feel, you'd feel uh, I'll just get fries. Um, there was this, uh, this lady who had invited some folks over into her home, the story's told. And, uh, and she was getting everything prepared. They'd sat down to, to dinner, and uh, she wasn't in the best of, of spirits, so she asked her uh, daughter to pray. And uh, if uh, you're at my home and you hear my kids pray, who knows what's going to be prayed about. Um, but here, here, is, here is this daughter. She goes, uh, uh, daughter, would you pray? And so uh, daughter's like, I don't know what to say, Mommy. And so she says, well, why don't you just say what I said when I prayed at lunchtime? And so the daughter goes, dear Jesus, you know, you know it's bad. <laughs> you know it's just bad. Um, why did I invite these people over to our home tonight? <laughs> you know, the, the, the spirit, the, the lack of the spirit of hospitality, you know, rubs off pretty quick and our, our children see through that and uh understanding that uh in in wanting to do things right sometimes it can get f even flustered um before people might come to your uh, to your home or or whatever but but the spirit of hospitality needs to be one where we do it without grudging uh we do it because we get to right we do it because we get to we minister in love we minister with hospitality that's the tool of love so how can you, even in these next weeks, say, I, I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it as an actionable item to use the tool of love, and that being hospitality? How can I do that? How can I show that? But notice in verse number 10, we need to minister with wisdom. We need to minister with wisdom. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same to one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. 
So as I've received this, now, Lord, how do you want me to use the gift you've given me to bless others, to help others along? This idea of gift is a gift of divine grace or the divine enablement of God. So we need to understand this, that when we got saved, God gave us something he's enabled us to do by his spirit. Something that might not even come naturally. Uh, perhaps you have heard, I, I think Pastor Shaw has mentioned it, that, uh, that he was extremely shy. And the idea of him being called to preach and to minister uh, publicly was, a, was, a, was just unthinkable. But God gave him that ability. God gave him that special enablement as a believer. And as he took steps of faith, God uh, enabled him to do what he had called him to do. So God has enabled us with an edifying gift to be used within the context of the church. Now, something that we might need to understand is oftentimes around us, people notice the the gift that God has given us sometimes even quicker than we notice it. Because it's what we, we do as we follow the Spirit. So we need to be able to discern, Lord, what is this gift that you have given me? We need to be able to use wisdom, God's discernment. And by the way, he said, if you lack wisdom, ask me for it. You say, I don't know what my gift is, or I'm unclear about it. Friend, if you're ministering, if you're serving right now, and you do not know what your gifting is from the Holy Spirit of God, you're ministering without a level of confidence that you need and God intends for you to minister from. So maybe you should just um, begin asking in the next couple of days, Lord, what is the gift that you have given me? Would you show me how you have designed me to edify Grace Baptist Church and the members of Grace Baptist Church? Would you show that to me? Would you reveal that to me? And God has given you this grace, um, this gift solely by his, by his grace, because of his grace. Uh, spiritual gifts aren't intended uh, to draw attention to ourselves. I appreciated, I was sitting down uh, to dinner last night with the, uh, with the Custers, and I appreciated his prayer at dinner time. Lord, we don't want to draw attention to us. We want to draw attention to you. I appreciate that. There, we were blessed this morning as people ministered with the gifts that God has given them. Did they have to work at those gifts and, and fine-tune those gifts and, and, and stretch those gifts? Yes, just like you and I have to. By the way, just because you're gifted doesn't mean it's going to come easy. Just because you're gifted as a teacher, that God has given you the ability, the enablement to teach, doesn't mean that it it comes without work. It it comes without preparation. Sometimes it's a ton of work. Um, But we, we put that in because it is something that God has given to us. So they're not given to us to draw attention to ourselves, but rather to minister the grace of God to others, to help others uh, uh, grow in the, in the grace of God. So notice he says to minister, to serve, to be an attendant. How would that perspective change our homes and our church if each of us look at ourselves as the attendant to each other? We walk in the door. It's not about Brother Grubb being at the, at the door. It's about how can I serve Brother Grubb? How can I bless him? It's, it's not about, uh, here's, here's my child for the nursery. It's about how can I bless them? Here's, here is, I, I've shown up for Sunday school, and I'm, I'm here, but how can I serve my class? How can I bless, right? And so that's the idea. We're serving. We minister with the gifts in order to benefit others. And 1 Corinthians, Paul said it to them. Verse, uh, chapter 12, verse number 7, but the manifestation, the, the demonstration, the display of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So God has given us this, this grace, this enablement to share it with others and to, um, to cause them to profit. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. So it's not to bring attention to ourselves or bring on uh, uh, um, bring, uh, to promote ourselves and to have a spirit of pride with what God has enabled us to do, but it's to bring love and care to one another, the same love and care to one another. Each Christian must know what his spiritual gift is or spiritual gifts are and what ministry or ministries he is to have in the 
the local church. It's not wrong for us as Christians to recognize gifts in our own lives. It's not arrogant if, if we realize that gift is there by the grace of God. It is there by the grace of God. We don't have any, any, any part of it in the sense it is completely something that God has done in our lives. So we can recognize those gifts in our lives. We can recognize those gifts in the lives of others. The, where we get off track is when we, when we have a false evaluation of ourselves. Lord, would you help me to understand what my gift is? By the way, sometimes people can be serving in a ministry and all frustrated because they're serving outside of their gifting. Oh, they're doing it because it, it's, it's needed but it's not really where the heart is. It's important to serve where your heart is so that you can serve with all your might, so that you can serve with commitment in, in that matter and to serve with your, the gift that God has given you. And you know, there are times in a church body, there are times where we serve because there's a need. Are you with me on that? We serve because there's a need. How many of you have had to serve in an area that wasn't, it wasn't your favorite part to serve? We all have, Right? but we serve because there's a need and because we love the body. But it is important to be able to serve in that, that place where God has given us that spirit, on that, that enablement, that specific enablement. Let's stop for a moment and consider these gifts that God has given us. Turn over to Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12, and let's just uh, reacquaint ourselves with these gifts. A couple years back in 2017, we, uh, we took time on a Sunday morning to look at the specific gifts that God has given us and uh, to look how they, they play out in, in a church life. But notice the Bible helps us understand in Romans chapter number 12 the different, the different gifts that God has given to the church uh, in, in us as believers, these enablements that God has given. It starts out in this passage of Scripture, and it helps us to see that we are to give ourselves as a living sacrifice. The basis of our service is going to be us giving ourselves as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service, and then to allow God to transform our minds by the renewing of our minds, by the use of the word of God. But then he goes on in verse number five. Verse number four, for as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. They don't all have the same position or the opportunity, the same gifting. We all have a different part in the body. Verse number five, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Notice he, he, he underscores what Peter said. This grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy, according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. That's the idea of encouragement. He that ruleth, or the idea of administration, with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. All right? And then he says, don't let your love be with dissimulation. Don't, don't be, uh, don't be uh, uh, discriminating with your love. Don't, uh, don't allow your love to be partial. Uh, be full on and have that spirit, that passionate love towards the whole body. So he gives us this list of gifts that we have in front of us tonight. Think about it. This gift of prophecy. It's the idea of, of being able to discern, but also being able to, to clearly discern between right and wrong and to state it. Now, how many of you know some folks in your life that, that, that see things black and white? It's very clear. Anyone? They, if you need an opinion on the matter, they're going to give it to you uh, one way or the other. They're not going to be in the middle. It's going to be one way or the other, right? That's, that's the idea of, a, of a, 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 someone with the gift of prophecy. They see it very clearly. They have the, the ability to discern, and they declare it. Uh, it needs to be tempered with love, but it is this ability, this God-given enablement to see things for how they really are and to discern it. Now, that is part of a, uh, of a preacher's uh, gifting is to be able to to see it in that way, to see what is right and wrong, to be able to, to, um, to speak that forth, to speak forth the truth of God's word in that way. So it's not just a preacher 
that has this gift. There are, there are believers within our church who see things in that way. That is not a bad thing. Sometimes people get a bad rap for that. Sometimes we don't like people <laughs> that have that gifting. Are, are you with me? Sometimes they, they uh, boy, uh, that kind of makes me to bristle a little bit because I, I, I would rather it be a little bit softer than that. But that is, that is the case. Uh, the, the gift of service. They find enjoyment in serving. How can I serve? I don't want to be in front of people. I just want to serve. And I know we have people in our church gifted in that way, the gift of teaching, being able to break down con- concepts of God's truth and being able to break it down and teach it effectively uh, towards those that are in front of you. Some people are gifted to teaching children. Some people are gifted in teaching adults. Um, but there is the, the specific gifting uh, towards teaching. And again, not something only that a pastor has. A pastor is to be apt to teach. But he is, uh, there are other believers that God gifts the church in teaching. I'm thankful for those within our church that have that gift. The gift of encouragement. Come alongside. They encourage on. It's not always just saying, well, I'm sorry for what you're going through, but here's, here's how we need to, what we need to go, undo to go forward. The gift of giving. Uh, they delight in giving above and beyond what God requires of all of us in tithes and offerings. They just delight in giving. It's not just financial. They just delight in giving. They're a giving person. And uh, there's folks within our church that are, that are gifted in that. Every time you turn around, it seems like they're bringing, I'm bringing something. They're doing something for others. What a, what a blessing they are to the church. The gift of ruling or administration, uh, where they're able to see things, break down a project, and make it happen. Uh, those are a blessing in a church. Those are a real blessing in a church. Uh, the gift of mercy, uh, being willing to spend time with those that are in need, those that are alone, being able to just go and, and, and encourage them in that way. Now, to maybe put this in a little bit of perspective, uh, if, if we were to break this down and uh, look at the different gifts as it approaches a situation, I walked into um, a church um, not long ago, and an accident had happened. Let's all say an accident had happened, and there was a smell in the church, and it just, it wasn't a pretty sight, and there was an event going on, and uh, immediately I noticed uh, several people around that situation, and they were, they were in the midst of it. They were dealing with it, and they were getting taken care of, and by the time we ended up uh, leaving uh, the event, they, they had, they had cared for it, and uh, I was struck by it, um, and, and appreciated the, the activity. Just everyone around that, just seeing the church, you know, take care of what was needed there. But just imagine that situation happens. A Sunday morning, something happens right here in the auditorium, and, and, and it's, a, it's, it's not a pretty scene. It doesn't smell nice. It do, it, it's, not, it's not great. And, uh, and so uh, how would the gift of pr- um, prophecy respond to that? So let's just say a child upchucks, and, uh, and, <laughs> and it, it's, not a, it's not a good situation. Perhaps a gift of prophecy would, uh, would have seen this. Uh, a, a mom, you should have, this is going to paint the gift of prophecy in a bad light. But the gift of pro- mom, you probably should have uh, checked the temperature before the child was brought to church, and, and uh, you should have uh, seen the signs of this or whatever, I don't know. Um, but the gift of prophecy would, would look for, hey, uh, what went wrong here? And uh, let, let's, let's adjust that going forward. The gift of ministry would go, where, where's the janitor closet? I'm getting the mop bucket. I'm getting the rags. I'm getting the carpet cleaner. And I'm in there and down on the knees with the gloves on. And I'm taking care of this situation. The gift of teaching. How did the gift of teaching uh, take care of this one? Well, let's break down the situation. Let's take a look. Let's see, uh, see what happened here. And, 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 and by the way, uh, church, uh, and they would, they would even have the, the, the spirit of how can we prepare better for these type of situations in the future? And so if we did this, this, and this, I think we could handle this situation in five minutes instead of 15 minutes and begin to, to look at it in that way, perhaps a little bit blended with uh, ruling there. But the gift of teaching would instruct on what went wrong, how, uh, how it could be avoided in the, in the future and the gift of exhortation, this encouragement. Mom, it, 
it, hey, it happens to everyone, you know, at some time or another, it's, it's going to be all right. Uh, go home and show some love and, uh, and, and, and don't worry about it. And just a real sweet encouragement. Don't give up. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm so glad you were here today and, and a real uh, a spirit of encouragement. Uh, the gift of giving. Uh, where is the, the nearest carpet, uh, the carpet cleaning company? And, uh, and let's, let's call them up and get them in here and, and have them, and where they're immediately just getting on. How can we take care of that? And by the way, we'll send a care, you know, a care package to the home of this person because they're probably really down after this whole thing. And so looking for ways to give out of that situation. The gift of ruling, uh, that administration organizes the effort. Hey, Tom, you go get the bucket. Hey, hey, Dennis, you go, uh, you go get the rags. And, and, and where's, that, where's that, uh, that, that, the scent remover? Hey, you go find this. And we're, we're dividing it up and, and, and dividing and conquering in this matter in the, in the gift of, of ruling or administration. But mercy would, would uh, put the arm around and cry with the person. And, uh, and be there to comfort in the, in the midst of that. God has made it so that in every situation of the church that the gifts minister and it's all necessary to the church being edified. So one thing I'd, I'd tell us is we should not resent, if you have a gift, uh, God intends for you to use that, but not everyone sees it your way. Not everyone has the same gift. And God, aren't you glad we don't all look at this, uh, the situations the same way? Aren't you glad we're not all, <laughs> all gifts of mercy? Like you'd never get, get anything done around here. We'd all just sit around and cry with one another, right? Aren't you thankful that someone stands up and says, listen, stop your complaining, stop your belly aching, and let's just move on, right? Aren't you thankful for that? Um, but, but the fact is we're all needed. God made us interdependent on each other and how important that is. So the spiritual gifts are to be understood, but then we are, verse number 11, to deploy that spiritual gift. Let's get it into action. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracle of God. Don't let him just get up and as whatever I think, but let him speak God's word. Here it is. This is what God's word says. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability. You know, sometimes as you minister, someone will come along and say, boy, what a great job you did. And immediately, because you know in your heart of hearts that that is something that God enabled you to do, you immediately say, hey, this is something that God enabled me to do. Praise God. That's what Peter's saying. Let's do it as the ability that God gives us. Let's do it out of the enablement that God has given us. Let's do it in that way. Let's do it with his power. Sometimes we get weary in, the, in ministering. And Jesus told his disciples in John 15 and verse number 4 that we are to abide in him, and that's where we're going to find the continuing strength to continue to minister. And if you are here tonight and you feel weary in ministering in Christian service, could I encourage you, take some time to go back and abide in him. And how do we abide in him? We get into his word, and we allow his word to get into us and refresh our souls. And that might take some specific, dedicated time. But don't just keep, you know, trudging on, weary in, in, the, in the work. Get alone with God and abide in him. He says, without me, you can do nothing. You can't serve. You can't use your gift without him. And so he wants you to do that. The measure of a man's greatness is not how many people serve him, but how many he serves, Curtis Hudson said. How important it is that we learn to serve one another, that we minister to one another. Jesus Christ, Mark 10, 45, he came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to do what? And to give his life a ransom for many. And so if the Son of God ministers, how much more should we? With love and hospitality and with wisdom. Uh, if the early church believers who were going into difficult days were ministering and encouraged to continue to minister, how much more should we in, in our day minister to one another? We don't know when Jesus Christ is going to come. How much more should we be ministering to one another and allow the church to be edified? You can't keep people away from a church that loves one another. People need a place to belong. People need a, a church that loves 
And, and, and sometimes people get in their, their minds as they, as they look around for churches, this denomination and this denomination loves more than this denomination. Listen, let's, let's, when they walk in these doors, let's, let's put down who we are and, 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 and I believe we're, we're independent, uh, fundamental Baptists and, and I'm there. Aren't you? We are who we are by, by conviction. We don't apologize for that. But that's not the first thing people need to, to notice about us. The first thing they need to notice about us is the love of the Lord Jesus Christ exuding out of our lives. This is the, our belief structure is a skeleton on which we are enrobed with the flesh of love and loving, uh, loving others with the, the same love that Jesus Christ had uh, towards us. And so how sh- much should we be focused on this during this day? People are hurting. Believers are hurting. You know that people sometimes will come into this church looking for a church that would just love. They've come from a situation where they've, they've been treated poorly. And they're looking for a place that would just love for them. And sometimes it's easy to like, why are you here? No, our first, our first spirit towards them is, you're a brother in Christ? Love you. Love you. And there might be things they have to work through, but you know, the Holy Spirit of God will help them through that. Um, but that spirit of love, that spirit of love, and oh, that we would continue to grow in that far beyond this year. We started out this year saying, Lord, help us to grow in this love. This is what you told us to do. This is how you said our, our others would know around us that we're your disciples if we have loved one for another. Lord, help us to continue to grow in that. And so I ask you tonight as a church to continue I don't ask you to start ministering in love because you're already ministering in love and, and hospitality and ministry, but let's grow in it. Let's grow in it and keep on growing. And may God help us with that. Would you stand with me in prayer and in just a time of, of reflection and invitation? Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, You are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.